Hi, folks. I'm Dan Dworkis, and this is the Emergency Mind Podcast, a space where we bring together lessons on from the emergency department and beyond about performance, what it matters the most, and applying knowledge under pressure. Um, our guest this episode is actually me, right? So we're going to run this interesting experiment. I've had this idea that I've been kicking around about what excellence is in crisis and emergency, and it's been floating around. Uh, I've been approaching it obliquely, but never quite getting where I wanted to go with it. So we're going to run an experiment. And to help me in this experiment, to put me in the hot seat and sort of see what comes out of it, I've invited Andrea Austin, Dr. Andrea Austin, to come on the podcast to take the reins and to take over the interviewing. Um, Andrea is an ER doctor. She is the chief learning and innovation officer for Revitalize. She's the simulation director for Southwest Healthcare. And from a personal standpoint, most importantly, she's somebody I'm incredibly proud to call a friend, both personally and a friend of the Emergency Mind Project, where she's done so much work already. So Andrea, thank you for coming on the podcast, for for allowing me to, to turn the reins over to you and for running this experiment with me. Well, this is just a huge honor, Dan. I respect you so much, and I'm so excited for everything that you're doing. And I just want to um, also thank you for the content that you've created. We're using it in our simulation lab. I have your poster up on our lab, actually the hallway people walk into, and I encourage people to listen to the podcast. And we use your materials when we're preparing our residents and faculty to think about how to perform better under pressure. So thank you. Oh, right on, right on. Um, so folks listening, the only thing I have really told uh, Andrea here is that I want to talk about excellence. And we've traded like one or two ideas, but I've been purposefully vague, uh, not to be annoying, I hope, but mostly to sort of like set a pretty even stage for for whatever comes next. So I'm going to turn this over and we're going to we're going to hopefully come out with something interesting at the end of this. I know we will. Every time we <laughs> sit down and, and talk, my mind gets blown. So I'm excited to share that in real time with our listeners. All right. Well, ready? Let's do it. Okay. So we often use safe as a stand-in for excellence. And I'm really wondering what your thoughts are with the relationship between safety and excellence. Yeah. So, okay. The, a lot of this thought started as I was working with teams outside of the emergency department and trying to talk to them about like what they were aiming at, right? So we're all sitting here, we're a bunch of different teams and we're all operating in conditions of stress and uncertainty, complexity, high impact, liminality, and we're trying to achieve something, but we're not really sure what that something is. And I, I've had intersections with a number of really top tier athletes, uh, Olympics and, and parallels to Olympics. And in those types of environments, it feels honestly, relatively straightforward to define what excellence looks like, right? Like you run distance X in time Y, where Y is faster than anybody else, right? You are the gold medalist. You you have won that space. And there's some exceptions to that. Like if you read some of the flow research and you see how, um, like the book, The Rise of Superman, uh, like you see how certain people can really take those types of even sports into, into spaces where nobody else has ever been. And they're redefining excellence as they go. But for the most part, you're able to define what you're sort of getting at. That's very different than I think the world that you and I inhabit a lot, Andrea. Like it, It's not clear in a lot of ways what excellence is. And one thing that 
is often put up as a proxy for excellence is safety. And this is sort of like the safety one definition. We'll probably drift into safety one, safety two here in a few minutes. But the safety one definition, which is sort of the lack of bad things, right? Safety in that viewpoint is the lack of bad things. And so we think about what is an excellent team? Well, an excellent team is a team that delivers the product, whatever the product is, if that's emergency medicine or a technical rescue or a hostage rescue negotiation or whatever, they deliver the the pizza, so to speak, uh, without anybody getting hurt or injured. And that's kind of where we stop a lot of times. We're like, yep, this team's excellent because they deliver it. Uh, and maybe there's a there's a longitudinal consistency piece to it. They deliver pizzas on a regular basis without anybody being hurt. And like that's important, right? Like like you don't want people hurt, you don't want people injured. But I, I'm left in that discussion being like, I don't think that's it. I think that excellence is more than just the lack of bad things, right? I think that there's something positive that we're missing from that as we try to define it. And, and I and I hope. I guess that's my hope of this experiment that we can sort of poke and prod at that idea a little bit and try to fill in some of the missing pieces. Right. And maybe for some of our listeners that are scratching their head, you know, let's let's just stick with emergency medicine because that's, you know, where we both practice and maybe most easy to start as an example. So if I'm listening to this and I'm an emergency physician, I say, well, all right, there's a lot of metrics that get thrown at me. Um, so I have, you know, door to dock time. I have door to needle time, whether that's um, TNK for stroke or the time mm -hmm. the person gets mm -hmm. to the, the cath lab. So I think I have a pretty good understanding of what excellence is. It's, you know, meeting those um, metrics that are an extrapolation of quality, which is about saving patient lives. So what are those metrics missing or how does that land in the safety one and then yeah. trying to move to this safety two, which we should probably unpack those definitions as well when we get to them. For sure. So I, I think that's a really interesting thing to to dig into, right? Like there are all these metrics that we're supposed to meet. There's all these things that we have agreed upon to be sort of like the standard of care, right? Like most ER doctors in most situations should be able to do XYZ in time T, right? And we all agree that is like what we have raised the standard of care to. You know, you go back in time, right? The standard of care was like leeches or whatever, right? So now we have come farther, we have advanced our knowledge and we've said, okay, well, we can do better. So we should do better. And we've concentrated a lot on bringing up the bottom right? We've said, okay, there's some sort of distribution of what people can do. And we want to make sure the floor of that distribution is here. And, and then we've sort of tied ourselves as an organization, as ER doctors, to this philosophy that we will do the floor, right? We will do the floor, we'll do the floor really well, and we'll do the floor quickly. And I think that that's one way to think about, um, that's one way to think about progress. And that's one way to think about productivity and one way to think about operations, but it's probably not the only way, you know, to go back to the Olympic model as sort of a counterpoint example from this, that's kind of like saying to be in the Olympics, you have to run the hundred meter dash in under some number of seconds. I have no idea. I'm not a sprinter. I don't I wouldn't even begin to tell you what that number is, but it's probably a, a you know, a, a number that I would not be able to reach by any stretch of the imagination, right? But you, you have to do some task in at least some level. And like, that's true. Like you have to do that in order to get into the Olympics, but we don't think about excellence in the Olympics as meeting the floor. 
we think about it as pushing the ceiling. We think about it as pushing the edge of what we could do and what we're able to do and what the human species is able to do, right? We're pushing the edge of humanity towards something. So to me, I think that like if I'm if I'm trying to create some sort of a sweeping definition of excellence in emergency, then part of it is the floor, right? We have baselines that we hit. And that goes all the way back to like we do no harm, right? That's a baseline that we really believe in that everybody should be able to do as we're as we're providing emergency care. But I think it's more than that. I think it's more than just the, you know, early goal direct therapy for sepsis or door to doc time for, you know, stroke or CT time or any of those metrics that we're using. I think those are necessary but insufficient to get us to true excellence. Now, maybe that's because excellence is more about possibility and more about stretch. Um, you know, again if you go back to this this flow research, right, we think that um we tend to think of humanity being able to hit this flow state when we are reaching for goals that are the number that's thrown out is somewhere around four four percent harder than what we think we can accomplish, right? And it's, that's a, an interesting number. We can sort of ignore where that comes from for a second because I think that's not really the direction to go for this. But but the point is that that it's about pushing the boundary forward, and even as we do that, I think part of what is providing excellent emergency care is doing that while maintaining a floor that helps people. Does that, does that make sense? That sort of difference that I'm throwing in there? Yeah, it, it definitely makes sense. So we've talked a little bit about safety one, where, mm -hmm. where are you going with safety two? Where do you feel that there's this gap and how that connects to excellence? So, okay. If I, if I, excuse me, if I didn't say this, as as much in the beginning as I should. This is all. This whole conversation is an experiment, right? This is this is an on the fly sort of like you know wrestling through concepts. So I uh, I will totally reserve the right to evolve my opinion about this as I learn more in the future. Um, that said, so you know as I understand, um, one of the key differences between a safety one mindset, which is what most of us refer to just as safety, and a safety two mindset, which is a bit of a different version of it. Um, it the safety two mindset. It, Safety one has a lot to do with the idea that that um, we are able to describe a perfect version of work, and that if only people just did what we said, there would be no accidents. Right? We're able to control the whole thing. We can create this idea, and people just have to do it, and then there won't be accidents. In some ways, this is the logic that implies the floor that we're talking about, where the door to dock time should be X number of seconds. Everybody has to do that. If you don't, if you do that, there's no problems. If you do anything else, there's problems. Safety two takes a little bit of a different mindset, which takes a, a resilience and a capacity mindset and says, actually, like you can't control everything or describe everything about work, right? There's a huge difference between work as imagined and work as done. And safety two focuses on this idea of work as done. So one thing I would say right off the bat is that excellence, whatever we arrive at, it's going to exist in a work as done environment, right? Because excellence is reality-based. It's not theoretically based. So, or at least in whatever this view of excellence is, I'm trying to aim us at. So, you know, you take this idea of work is done. You take the idea that you can't prescribe everything about work. And instead you ask, well, what does it take for things to go right most of the time? And so in that view, safety is the capacity for things to go right. It's having the ability for things to go well most of the time. Um, it involves uh, 
believing in and listening to the people doing the work and empowering them to be able to get things right, as opposed to prescribing them things that prevent them from getting things wrong. Um, and I think that that view, which is something I came to later in, in my career and I didn't learn about when I was just training, I think that view is incredibly important for doing really high quality emergency medicine like believing in the the value of work is done and believing in the value of having the capacity for things to go well. And I think that points us towards some of excellence because I would say that excellence is, part of excellence is the ability to get things done across a wide variety of circumstances, a wide variety of real circumstances that you actually face, right? So, so you could say that a team that is excellent is able to provide a high quality of service across a wide surface area of environments. And in fact, if you had two teams and one of them was able to provide high quality, top-notch care only in a really small surface area, like only when the patient looked like this and came in from these hours and had this complaint, and team B was able to provide high quality of service across a wide variety of, of surface areas, I would say team B is more excellent than team A. Right? So the ability to apply that in various circumstances, I think, is a huge component of excellence. Um, I don't know that that's in and of itself enough, though. I think safety two points us, again, towards the right direction. But just like safety one isn't all of excellence, excellence is more than just the lack of bad things. I would also probably say excellence is more than just the capacity for things to go well, although that's a huge component of it, too. Yeah, I think what I'm struggling with is we started the conversation, you know, with the idea of, okay, let's think about an Olympic athlete because we can all visualize what that is. So I'm going to use that analogy when we think about an emergency medicine physician. If we set up, this would be awesome if this happened, an emergency medicine version of the Olympics. And, yeah. you know, it was like time to intubation, um, <laughs> you know, how fast do you and safely put in a central line? It was like a simulation lab where you had mm. all these various procedures um, to be the best emergency physician. You know, what, what's missing from that is, you know, this whole idea of how work is actually done. And I would posit after watching at this point, maybe thousands of emergency physicians in the real world and in the simulation lab, um, I think an average an average physician that you know maybe takes a little longer to intubate doesn't have the best technical skills, but is placed into a very resilient system, mm. and that they have emotional intelligence um, and able to leverage their team will do better every time. If I'm if I'm putting money on them, if this was a, a gamble, I'm actually going to put my money on that person and not who I've seen many times, people that are technically very excellent, um, but they fall apart in the work is done, which is, you know, that's the emergency department. There is no, um, it is such a chaotic environment. So that's what I'm struggling with a little bit and with the terminology excellence, because I think when we hear excellence, my head goes to, you know, I guess it's my conditioning that excellence is perfection. It's mm. being, you know, technically excellent. Um, 
And I think it's also because of going through medical school, there is a focus on individual performance a lot. But the longer I do this job, I'm very much like, well, you can be the best um, if you go into a dysfunctional system, then we fail. Um, There is a line. And I've been in those situations where I am very capable not only technically, emotionally, teamwork, communication-wise, but the system is failing. So am I not excellent in that capacity? Yeah, those are those are great questions. And there's like a ton of really interesting stuff to unpack in that. So I, I think, you know, if I borrow um what I've thought about from uh jujitsu, which I am not excellent at, but I've spent a lot of time thinking about right? And I've seen excellence in it, right? You see people that are certainly technically proficient, right? Like high levels of technical proficiency that think broadly and deeply about the game and that bring a passion and a love to it, that they have an art to it where it's not just technical perfection. It's also like an absolute art and it's a joy to watch them. I would say in my beginner's mind understanding of that, that excellence is not about perfection. It's about being a uh, a lifelong student of an art, right? And that we don't require perfection for excellence. And and those two things are are, are a little different, right? Because again, perfection sort of uh, presupposes like that that's even possible, or that there's a a right answer to how to do a thing. Exactly, which drifts a little bit for my taste into work as imagined, right? Because what we're, right. what we're doing in the ER, like perfection's really not what we're aiming at most of the time. We don't really think that's possible a lot of the time. Even what we're trying to do is do the best we can with what we have. But which drifts into the second point of like, is excellence an individual characteristic, or is excellence a team characteristic, or a system characteristic? And it's probably all three, right? There's probably an excellence that I can aim for as a human being, as a provider, as an operator, and there's excellence that I can aim my team at. Um, something that's in here that's a, a closely related concept to this is like, is excellence local or absolute? Right, and and I think that it's probably a little bit of both, right? When I when I think about like when I was, you know, working with the Indian Health Service uh, in a smaller hospital, like there were days and shifts where we got really close to excellence. We were operating as a wonderful team. We were able to take all of the resources we had available in that community and apply them to the pointy end of the stick and help people where and when they needed it, right? Like we were able to take humanity's knowledge as a whole and deliver it where it was needed. And that is part of excellence. But if you compare that on an apples to apples comparison to like what I was able to do when I was working at Mass General, like that's a wildly different universe, right? There's just different things that are going on in there. And so in some sense, um, you know, you, you can imagine that there are local maxima, like a small team is able to aim for excellence and should aim for excellence to the best of what they can apply. And a large team should be aiming at something different, right? Because they have the capacity to do something more. Both teams though, should have something in common with what they're aiming at. And and both of those questions are really compelling to me, right? How do you decide what everybody should aim at? 
and how do you decide what your individual team should aim at? And and I think there's bits and pieces of there that are that are worth exploring in in both places. A, a very like a third thread that's that I'm going to throw out there, and then we can I don't know hopefully weave these together into something maybe uh, is like is excellence about performance or is excellence about outcome? Right. So we always talk about like multiple times in the project we talk about performance versus outcome, where outcome is what happens. Um, do you win or lose a match? Does the patient live or die? Does the catheter get placed in the right place or not? And then performance is your controllable piece of that puzzle. Did I did I operate at the highest level of my ability? Did I play the hand of cards I was dealt to the best that I could? Right, Because you can have an incredible ER doctor supported by an amazing team in a highly functional system who is able to bring every possible thing to bear, uh, every piece of human knowledge to bear for a patient, and that patient can still die. We don't control that. Right. But if, But I would argue that there's excellence that's achieved by that team in the trying to help the patient. You know, now there's, we also have to acknowledge the counterpoint with that, which is that like, if you try really hard and the patient always dies, like, is that excellent? Right? Like there's probably an outcomes component of it too. And I would argue that excellence, an excellent team, um, what are we going to call it? They're above average, right? Like maybe this is a baseball analogy. Like what's a great batting average, right? It's not a hundred percent. Right, it's somewhere. It's somewhere in the middle there. I don't play baseball enough to pull this metaphor off. I'm sorry, but I, I'm sure that <laughs> I, I know that it's like I know that even really good hitters have what is essentially a low number on their batting average. It's just that they're above average, and that's what we think of as excellence. So, where do you draw those lines? Right, there has to be a performance component, an outcome component. There's an individual piece and a team piece. There's a local piece and an absolute piece to it. This is where I get lost in this because there's so many threads about what it means to be excellent. And what I know for sure, even as I'm trying to balance all these threads, is that we have to talk about this on purpose, right? Let me let me say it this way. Excellence is not achieved by accident, right? We do right. not achieve excellence by accident. We don't, we don't stumble and fall backwards into excellent when we're trying to do something else. Just like nobody hits a perfect form on their high jump by accident, a jiu-jitsu person doesn't win a match by accident and a chess master doesn't win a chess match by accident, right? We, we aim for excellence on purpose. So if we have to do that, then we have to talk about these things and ask, well, what do we think we should be aiming at? Right. And one of the things I also struggle with and wasn't evident to me when I you know started as an emergency physician the delineation between performance and outcome more and more I'm focused on quite frankly, the outcome. And Mm -hmm. I advise residents and colleagues that sometimes 80% effort is the best Mm -hmm. um, in certain situations, because if you're expending a hundred percent in all situations, you don't have stamina to do this job. And I think we're taught that you always give peak performance no matter what, where I don't think that is a reasonable, sustainable Hmm. way of doing things. 
Um, and I, looking back on the pandemic, I think that was one of the last times you and I recorded together. You know, I think it would have been really helpful to understand that (laughs) at the beginning of the pandemic is 80%. um, Honestly, if looking back at the pandemic, and I'm using a broad generalization, Mm -hmm. if many healthcare workers had shot for 80%, and this is a generalization, we'd probably have a lot of the workforce still in place. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe what you're saying with that is that there's an integral over time effect to it, right? Like we, we think about in the Olympics, right? We want an Olympic sprinter to succeed in that one moment of a few seconds, right? but that our vision of what excellence is for an emergency medical team or, or really for any team operating under pressure is that they should be able to achieve an absolutely high standard over time, multiple times. There's an integral of their work over time effect. Yeah. And I think everything, you know, ebbs and flows um, Mm -hmm. a bit, you know, there's very high stakes situations that, you know, like I absolutely have to bring my 100% to this situation Um, and there's other situations where, you know, maybe this gets into the outcome that, you know, that the outcome is the cards are already dealt. Um, so this isn't really a good time to expend all that energy, which sounds weird when we're talking, you know, about healthcare, but I'm much more thoughtful of that now. Um, recognizing that we have a lot of team members leaving, that I have to be very careful when I am truly demanding peak performance from people. Sure. sure. Which which gets at, I think, like, you know, excellence being mission-driven. And in many cases, operating under pressure, there's sort of this dual mission or maybe even a triple mission, right? Where it's like accomplish the objective, but also accomplish the objective in a way that prepares you to achieve the next objective, even if you don't know what that is, or accomplish the objective and train the next generation of people who will accomplish the objective after you're gone, right? And so there's this dual focus to it that, you know, like, like you could imagine, like if you had a team that, that operated at just you know, and I'm just ignore the ridiculousness of this comment, but operated at, you know, 200% efficiency, whatever the hell that means for an extended period of time and moved patients faster than anybody else, but absolutely burned themselves to a crisp doing it, destroyed morale and wasn't able to field another shift the following week. I don't think that's excellent. I don't, I don't care how fast you are moving patients. I don't think that's excellent. Um, with perhaps the one caveat that when we do operate under pressure, there are sometimes sentinel events that are so different than everything else that you have to change your definitions a little bit, right? You have a mass casualty incident where there are dozens of children injured, 
you have a large fire where whatever happens and you just, you have to throw everything you have at that moment, even if you're unable to then follow up the next day. Right. And in those situations, there has to be enough redundancy built into the system Mm -hmm. to support that. And like, that's what was missing during the pandemic. Um, There was no understanding of how long the situation was going to go on. And the healthcare system already runs with, especially on the physician end, with very little redundancy. And so we don't allow for the recovery, which is obviously a big part of what you talk about on the emergency mind is recovery has never been valued as part of excellence. Recovery is never a metric that's really discussed or publicly shown. I mean, that's, you know, where I think we need to go to fix a lot of this stuff, if if it was publicly facing what the burnout rate was at a hospital, and I had a choice when I, you know, have an upcoming trip to Chicago, and I was able to open up that, oh, this hospital has a 70% burnout of staff, this staff, this hospital has a 30%. I might, I mean, I'd like to see some other metrics, mm-hmm. but that one would matter quite a bit to me. Um, yeah, for sure before choosing a hospital. So I know we've drifted a little bit, but I think this is the this is such a fascinating topic because there are so many different threads that that come yeah. from this idea of excellence and things that I would have never brought up 10 years ago if you had asked yeah. me about excellence. But now um you know I love wait what Amy Edmondson and Cheryl Martin talked about recently that like, let's be clear at the end of the day, excellence in healthcare is about the patient. It a hundred percent is about them surviving and thriving, you know, not only surviving that they have, they have wonderful lives. And, and that's why we've devoted our lives to talking about topics like this. But what we know is only focusing on that, that's what matters most, you're not going to get there. You have to focus on, it's not focusing on physician well-being or their professional development or their skill development for their benefit. It is ultimately for the patient. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, absolutely. Right. I mean, I, and I, I think I would, I would draw out from that, like, like when you say you wouldn't have thought about this 10 years ago, like excellence is a moving target the more you learn, right? As you are achieving the level of excellence you're able to get, you're also thinking ahead about how to push yourself and your team forward to do better tomorrow, right? Excellence is devoted to being better tomorrow than you are today. And that's true, I think, on an individual, a team, and an organizational level. I completely agree with you that that we often leave recovery and capacity and when we do talk about resilience, we don't, I don't think really talk about it the right way, but we often leave those out of the discussion of what excellence is, right? We think about, oh, are you able to achieve these metrics and move these patients and do this thing and perform, 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 perform. And we ignore all of the other pieces of it. Although like 
huge shout out here to you know Brian Ferguson and my friends at Arena Labs who are trying to change the discussion around that uh, in healthcare and on the front lines of healthcare in particular. Um, I think they're doing an amazing job of that. So uh, there are pieces where it's getting in that direction, but as a whole, we tend to leave that out. And you know, I, I think that this idea that you're describing about like, is there enough redundancy? Are we are we thinking about the reality, uh, which is again a work as done question about how our teams are able to perform? Like, like that's sort of a systems level question about what excellence looks like, right? Because an right. excellent system is one that has the capacity for elite levels of action to happen across multiple teams. So if you're trying to provide care 24-7, 365, then you can't only, I would argue, but you're only able to achieve elite levels between nine to five on weekdays, which is an all too common scenario in hospitals. Absolutely. Like, I don't think that's an excellent system or an excellent organization. It's not. No, I say all the time to my residents that your patient does not care. They do not care that it is three in the morning. They do not care that this was a rare thing. This is a halo event. It is 100% to them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm focusing on their individual performance, right? Like, yeah. I think you and I, not to tout our own horns too much, but, you know, we've kind of optimized our individual performance. I think that's where I'm feeling this tension, right? Like, sure, there's always little, like, let me learn this new little airway trick. I'm always interested in improving my craft, but by and large, it's pretty solid. So when I run into problems now, it's frequently a systems level issue. So, you know, now after going through a little bit of burnout, I've now moved into, well, if I'm going to keep doing this job, then I've optimized myself. I have to start optimizing the systems around me. That's the next level. Yeah. I uh, I don't know for me. I, I think I'm a very good ER doctor. I think I have certainly, you know, we talked earlier about the floor versus pushing the edge. I think like, yeah, you know, like I have, I have my baseline and my foundation and I'm good at what I do. Sometimes, you know, and part of the reason that I'm having this whole conversation is that like, am I actually achieving excellence in this space? Am I pointing at and achieving excellence? Probably sometimes, probably not all the time, right? I think that there are days when I approach it more closely than others and that it's, you know, if I think about it as a moving target and that it's pushing the edge of what humans can do and driving forward i think there's room i think there's room to grow in there for me and i know you i know you feel the same way about having room to grow for it because we've talked about this a bunch of times but i also think you're right that like and i got a little bit into this with uh uh scott weingart on our recent two-part podcast like like are you training an individual who can operate at an excellent level across any team or are you training teams that can operate at excellent levels, even if you swap out individuals on that team? 
those are two different systems that train those things. Those are two different ways of approaching it. And we probably need both of those ways. Um, but as an individual operating at a high level, yeah, I think you're right. You you have to look at the system around you and drive that towards excellence as well. Absolutely. I mean, as a thought experiment, you know, think back to your five most high stakes resuscitations that, you know, really mattered. Like it really mattered that you intubated or you know, whatever procedural teamwork the the emergency physician role mattered in that mm-hmm. case. I've thought about this a lot. I like to think I'm really good at my job and that my patients benefit from when I'm there. But if I really get down to brass tacks and think about it, the vast majority of the time, if you had traded out me with any of my colleagues, I don't think there's that much of a difference. Mm. Now, part of that is I've been very thankful that I work at really phenomenal institutions. When I look at the last places that I worked, I'm really focusing on my time at LA County and the group I work with at Southwest. Um, That is how I feel. The caliber of people is that high. Um, So now, you know, really the, the X factor for me is the people around me especially in the post-pandemic world that we're in. Um, I don't know what's happening at County, but for us, um, half of our emergency department uh, nurses are new. Mm. Um, And they're new to nursing. Mm. It used to be that you had two years of experience in most emergency departments before you started working. Now they're new to nursing and they're working in, I would argue, I mean, what, what area of the hospital has more the volume of risk than us? Sure. And that's mind blowing to me. So, you know, now it's like a whole nother, if I, if I only have 24 hours in a day and how many hours do I have to spend on anything? um, My return on investment for getting to excellence right now is investing in my team and organization. Yeah. Uh, that, that makes a lot of sense. It really does. It really does. Which is, again, I think why we have to have these types of conversations with each other, with the other people on the team and with the people that are, you know, sort of leading the ship towards a certain direction. Um, is it just, again, we don't achieve excellence by accident. And if we're not having these discussions, then we're pointing at something. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what that something is, and I'm not sure that's where I want to be going. Um, there was a story from uh, the book, The Culture Code by Dan Coyle, where uh, Daniel Coyle, where he in, he interviews the head of a restaurant in New York. and i'm I'm blanking on the details of this. I'm sorry. But this person basically says, you're always, you always have a culture, you're always making choices, and your culture is a reflection of the choices that you make. You're never not making those choices. So whatever you're doing, whether it's conscious or unconscious, is what you're pointing at. I would argue in this like terrible telling of that story, but I would argue that that holds true for what we're doing as organizations and systems as well. We're aiming at something. 
I just don't know what it is some of the time. And I'd like it to be aiming at excellence. And I'm not convinced that's what we're doing. And I don't, I don't mean that as a critique of my current shop by any stretch of the imagination. I just mean in general, as I integrate over all of the different places I've worked or as I integrate over, you know, the other teams that I've had a chance to work with, like, are you like, what are you actually aiming at? And how do you know if you're aiming at excellent? Um, yeah. To make that practical, do you think we need like an excellence dashboard? I mean, I get a little bit, if I log into my portal, um, my provider portal, I get some metrics of the number of patients that I've seen. That's pretty much most of it. There's mm-hmm. maybe some quality um, metrics that are fed back to me. But I mean, I bet I could find some quality metrics of my healthcare system, but it's not really easy um, to find. Um, You know, honestly, most of the the feedback we get, um, you know, is, okay, well, we need um, time to antibiotics. And so you get a communication from the sepsis coordinator. And my pet peeve, I'm putting this out into the universe. (laughs) Sepsis coordinators need to work clinically. They need to come to the emergency department and do work as work is done. I have zero respect, and I will stand by the statement if it's played in any office, any place that I've worked or work currently. I have zero respect for somebody that pushes a text message out and does not do work as done. The places that I've seen successful sepsis coordinators is they leave their desk, they come out when code sepsises are being called, and they help, they observe, and they help with debriefs and teaching. I will also say right now, if you're that person and you only work Monday through Friday, nine to five, you are part of the problem. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, I, uh, I I don't I don't know what an excellence dashboard would look like, and and you know if if you're listening to this and you have ideas of what would be in it, please send them to me because uh, I want to hear it. You know, I, I think we've developed um, and have been rolling out this crisis skills test, uh, which you can find in sort of the the upper right hand corner of emergencymind.com, and and that is a set of skills that cross disciplines that are at the individual level that uh, are, are sort of some of the waypoints towards excellence. And I think that's an interesting idea of what something like this might look like at an organizational or a team level. But just to just to bring this home because I want to I want to step back from sort of the um, murky philosophical waters we've been swimming in a little bit here. Uh, like what are some of the things that we actually identified over the course of this experiment? about what excellence looks like in emergencies, right? Well, we've decided that it's based in reality, that it's about work as done, not work as imagined. We've decided that there are individual team and systems components to it. We've decided that uh, it's more than just the lack of bad things. Um, Some of the factors we've identified are uh, performance-based versus outcome-based, some are locally achievable versus globally achievable. Um, we've, I think, decided that it's not enough to be great once. 
like you actually have to set up a recurring system that's able to be great multiple times. And that involves things like staffing and recovery and all of the stuff that rolls into that. Um, we talked about surface area where you're able to achieve greatness and expanding that as large temporally and spatially and whatever else is possible. Um, and we and really importantly talked about this idea that part of excellence is, is committing to being better tomorrow than you are today, that having that dual mission, that it's not just achieving an objective, it's being able to achieve that objective better tomorrow with, with whatever team you're working with. Um, I am sure that there are lots of other components to this as a waypoint. Uh, and I, I, you know, Andrew, I want to give you the final word. And then I also like, just want to say again, if you're listening to this and you have other ideas about what excellence is, what the pillars of excellence are, especially at the team and organizational level under, you know, performing under pressure, like send them to me. I want to hear it. I want to crowdsource this discussion and and get us talking about this because again, if nothing else, excellence is not achieved by accident. And I think the more we talk about this, the more likely we are to be pointing ourselves and our teams in the right direction. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. Any, any last thoughts to wrap this up? Yeah, I, I think it would be a call to action. You know, I, I've really appreciated this conversation and I think a big problem, you know, I, I think it's almost comical in a way that you and I are trying to define excellence and that we don't know this and that what excellence has historically been has been fed to us. We have a lot of people right now, some good intentioned and some not, some people that are focused on their profits of their healthcare system, telling us what excellence is. And that is driving a lot of the burnout um, in our field. I, I don't think a field is excellent when they have 65% burnout, and that's emergency medicine. Sure. If I was the CEO of emergency medicine, I would say we have a full stop problem. And we're not going to be able to work on anything else until this issue is dealt with. And so I think we need to start dictating what is excellence in emergency care. And part of that, you know, I'm very excited about some of the stuff happening um, in our national college that is acknowledging that we are excellent as emergency physicians. We need defined resources. I'm going to blow your mind for a minute. There's defined resources that are required to be a trauma center. To be a trauma center, you must have these people on call, this equipment. We don't have that for emergency departments. ASAP mm -hmm. is working to change that. We have to start having this conversation about what is excellence and what do we need personally and system-wide to have excellence because the answer can't just be us to keep working harder because we don't even know what we're driving towards. Andrea, thank you so much for, uh, I don't know, like indulging me in this experiment, coming yes. along for this journey, working on me, working with this, working with me on this and, uh, and leveraging back and forth here. It's like totally a pleasure to have you on the podcast. And I just want to like shout out again, for your incredible work on Revitalize as the Chief Learning and Innovations Officer, as a Simulation Director for Southwest Healthcare, and all of the awesome stuff you're doing. Um, if people want to connect more with you, where should they go? 
Thanks. You can follow me at Revitalizing Doc on Twitter and Threads, and you can check out our website at peoplealwayshtc.com slash revitalize. Right on. Threads. I like I like that we're, we're, we're branching out into different universes here. That's, that's amazing. Um, I uh, will end this by saying thank you to all of you all for listening to this. Uh, and, and I hope that this is the start of a conversation. I hope that you reach back out to me. And as we're talking about other things that we, we try to figure this out together. Cause I think that that's what it's going to take. I think it's going to take conversation. It's going to take back and forth. Uh, it's going to take some, some argument and some discussion here at the end of which I hope we have a better, clearer vision of what we're aiming towards and what excellence is. Cause I think that's, that's a lot of our goal, right? To apply knowledge under pressure and to perform at our best when we're needed the most. Um, and I'll end by saying uh, that you should definitely get more involved with the Emergency Mind Project community. We would love to have you. The easiest way to do that is to head to emergencymind.com. There's lots of ways to link up with us. Um, and as always, our, our goal here on the Emergency Mind Project is to push the field forward about how it is that we can apply knowledge under pressure, never to provide medical advice, uh, and that anything we say here should not be construed as either medical advice or the opinions of anybody that we work for or with. It's just us out here in the wilderness trying to figure out what's going on. So thank you and good luck out there.